Matthew chapter 12. Tonight we are going to look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. Beloved, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your infallible, inspired word. We thank you for uh, this portion of scripture, which is like honey from the honeycomb, sweet to the taste of the mouth. We pray, Father, that You would cause your people to delight in your word, to get life from it. Lift us up and grant us peace in our minds and in our hearts through the gospel this evening. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. Beloved, this is the word of God. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. So also will it be with this evil generation. This is the word of God. Well, Jesus here gives a kind of parable. Uh, We're about to look at Uh, many parables. We're approaching that section of Matthew where Jesus starts to begin or begins to uh, teach in parables, but we're already given one here uh, in this speech. And we have to remember that Jesus had just called this generation of Israelites living at this time an evil and adulterous uh, generation. It's verse 39. He also said that repentant Gentiles from of old namely the Queen of Sheba, the Ninevites of Jonah's day, that they would condemn this generation on the last day. The generation of Israelites, the generation of Jews living in Jesus' day, these repentant Gentiles from of old would rise up in the resurrection on the last day and they would condemn the unbelieving Jews. And so overall, these are not good judgments coming from Jesus Uh, in regard to the true hearts of most of the Jews who were living at this time, at the time of his ministry. And so he likens that generation to a demon-possessed person here. This is what he's doing. He's comparing the Jews of that day to a demon-possessed person. Verse 45, so will it be with this evil generation. That's the comparison in this parable. He's comparing the unbelieving Jews, Israel, at the time of his ministry to a demon-possessed person. He says, verse 43, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person. So he's previously demon-possessed, and now the spirit is gone. Now this makes sense here that he would use this parable and use these images here because he had just literally cast out a demon from a man. He had just done this in the sight of all who were there. And that man, as a result of that demon possession, was blind and mute. And as a result of the demon being cast out, he was able to see and to speak. We are told that the people, the Jews, were amazed by this. They were amazed at this. They saw it. 
They saw the demon come out and they were amazed. They saw the healing that this man experienced. And so they have this image of this memory, very recent memory of Jesus powerfully casting out this demon from a man right in front of their eyes. They're still thinking about this. And then they hear these words. They hear the words of Jesus in this parable. He says, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Now Jesus, of course, is referencing the demonic realm here, which is invisible to the physical eye. We cannot see it with our physical eyes, but it nevertheless exists. And thus, this creature seeking rest is a spirit. He's an invisible entity existing in the spiritual, invisible realm. And the spirit is unclean. That is to say, it's defiled. It's defiled by impurities, namely moral impurities. It is impure. It's unholy. And as an unclean spirit, it defiles everything it touches. It infects everything it comes into contact with. The unclean spirit, for example, that had taken up residence in the man at the beginning of the chapter, the, uh, the, uh, this chapter, that unclean spirit had defiled that man in such a way as to make him blind and mute. So you can see the effects of what takes place in the spiritual realm. There's actual physical effects on that man from what was taking place in the spiritual realm. He was blind and mute, partly as a result of this demon possession. Now Jesus is referencing spiritual realities that are present today. We have to acknowledge this fact. The spiritual realm has not gone away. It still exists uh, today, and it's very uh, real. When Paul warned the Corinthians, if you look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, when he warned the Corinthians not to participate in idolatry and pagan practices, he said, he said this, what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. And so, if anyone, the Corinthians or anyone in any generation take part in pagan sacrifices, then they are on some level having fellowship with these unclean spirits in the the spiritual realm that we can't see. So they're there. It's a reality that exists. Although Christ is talking about demons and their activity in the spiritual realm, he is not giving us, however, a detailed account of exactly what takes place there. He's not giving us a, a blueprint of exactly what that realm is like or what that, you know, what, exactly what happens in that realm. He's only telling us what this realm is like. A demon, an evil spirit, departs a person, whether by exorcism or some other reason. The demon is said to be traveling elsewhere, passing through waterless places, the desert. In Scripture, the desert is presented as a place for demons. It's a place for demons and animal scavengers. It is an arid fruitless place. There's no water there. It is a haunt for jackals and detestable beasts. And so it's a perfect place. It's a perfect place for a demon, an unclean spirit to wander around in. He fits in there. But the spirit is unsatisfied here. He's unsatisfied in the desert. It wants rest. It wants a place to settle down. 
And so it begins to reconsider or to consider the place from which it came. This unclean spirit begins to think about this person that he used to occupy in verse 43. And so it says to itself, I will return to my house from which I came. Now Jesus has the demon telling a parable now. The demon is speaking to himself. He's considering his future. Now the unclean spirit is referring to the person that he once occupied as a house. He's comparing that person to a house now. I will return to my house, my dwelling place from which I came. It's where he might find rest. That's what he's thinking about. But remember also Jesus is comparing that generation of Israelites to which he ministered. He's comparing that generation of Israelites with the person, or as the demon calls him, a house. So that person that was once demon-possessed, Jesus is comparing the generation of unbelieving Jews in his day to that person. And the demon is thinking, I want to go back to that person. I want to go back to my former uh, dwelling place. Again, Jesus says, so will it be with this evil generation. Now, this generation that he was referring to is the collection of people uh, that were there during his ministry. He's referring to their whole of their being, their souls, their hearts, their minds in Israel at this time. Most of them, Jesus says, will be like this, this person that Jesus talks about. They're like a house. And what will dwell in that house? What will dwell inside the hearts of the Jews? It's essentially what Jesus is getting at. The unclean spirit returns to the man and he finds that whatever, was rav- whatever ravaging or destructive effects that that spirit had previously had on the person, that's all been cleaned up. You can think about the, the mute man, the blind man. Whatever effects that it had on that previous person, it's all been cleaned up. The house is empty, it's swept, it's put in order. In other words... The person has temporarily has cleaned the effects of being demon-possessed. It is like the demon-possessed man, again, that Jesus had just healed. When the demon was there inside of him, dwelling in him, he was blind and mute. The demon was cast out. Now he seeks and speaks. And, and, speaks. and so if that unclean demon returned, he would see that, well, this, is, this person is cleaned up. He now sees and speaks. He has been swept in order. Now, this is certainly a good thing, as far as it goes, but we have to wonder also, what did that man use his newfound eyesight for? What did he use his new speech for? We hope that it was, he used his new healing to glorify God and to serve Jesus. We don't know. We certainly hope so, though. But back to our verses here, the person once possessed is cleaned up. He's put in order But the house is also empty. Verse 44, he finds the house empty, or it finds the house empty. Nothing or no one else has taken up residence in this newly cleaned house. The demon then, after talking to his real estate agent, he decides to move back in. But now he wants to start a family. He wants to start, he wants to settle down with the family and make his dwelling place this former person he once possessed. He wants to make this second possession a more permanent one. And so it takes seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they all enter the person, the house, whatever you want to call it, and they dwell there. They take up residence there. They take 
possession once again of that person. Now, the number seven in Scripture represents fullness or completion. You might think about the seven days of creation, the seven angels with the seven trumpets and the seven bowls in the book of Revelation. These seven unclean spirits, of course, plus the one that went and found them, they represent full completion of demonic possession in this person or house. There's no turning back now, in other words. He had, this person had one demon inside of him, enjoyed temporary rest from that demon, but the demon came back, found seven other friends. Now they've completely taken over. There's, there's, nothing's going to be changed after that. That's the fullness of demon possession in, in that man. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Seven other spirits come. More evil than the original one. Now Jesus describes the state of this person after the evil spirit returns with his friends and enters him. He describes the state of that person as worse than the first state. When there was only one clean spirit, that was bad. Now we've got eight of them. This this situation is much worse than in the beginning. The evil has returned to retake full possession of the house, never to give it up again. Now what Jesus was saying then is this. For a time, with Jesus there performing miracles, doing all these wonderful things, the people in Israel at this time were something like this person. In verse 42 through 44, they were temporarily swept and put in order. Jesus had cleaned up the place somewhat. They were amazed. They were amazed at Jesus' acts. They were amazed at his preaching for a time. But they were empty. They remained empty. They did not embrace him by faith. They refused to have the Holy Spirit come and dwell in them by faith. And so give themselves over to Jesus to be taken possession by Jesus and not something else. This is something that the Jews did not do and refused to do. Therefore, because they were empty in their hearts, their souls, as time went on, their souls and their bodies were taken over once again by evil. The intrigue toward Jesus and the attraction was gone. All that began to fade once his teaching got harder and harder to bear, and especially as the cross came more and more into view. That is when the demon, the former demon and his friends began to look back and to think, I think I'll take up residence back up where I was before. The Jews, in their minds and their hearts, they were spiritually empty. And again, as time went on, they decided to let that emptiness be filled, out, filled up with something other than faith in Christ. Now, in the end, we are told that Satan entered Judas. And so you see there again a reference to the spiritual realm. Judas Iscariot was one of these Jews, one of these unbelieving Jews that Jesus is talking about. Satan entered Judas, and what followed was the arrest and betrayal of Jesus by his own people. And then finally, they crucified him, or had him crucified. The unclean spirits working with the inherent evil in the Jews had defiled them in such a way 
and had taken possession of them with a permanency that led them toward doing just that, crucifying their own Messiah. The last state is worse than the first. The good news for us, though, friends, now this is not good news for uh, the Jews in Jesus' day, and the title of this sermon is hardly a sermon that you want uh, to put on the internet to attract people to come. Worse than the first, but that is what what Jesus is talking about here, the unbelieving Jews. There's the worst state is the later state is worse than the first. And so this certainly is not good news for the unbelieving Jews of, of Jesus' day. And really that this is what Matthew is about in a lot of ways. Is Jesus contending against the unbelief of his own people. And having that contention, that battle, that conflict between his own people and his ministry come to full expression when he's crucified. That's where we're headed. And so this is not good news for for the Jews living in, in Christ's day. But the good news for us, friends, is that Jesus went through all of this. He went through all of this rejection. He went through his crucifixion, all of the suffering. He went through all of this to make us clean, which he has done permanently. He has swept our souls clean. He has put us in order. But our houses, friends, are not empty. That's the good news. For those of you, for us who believe in Christ, your house is not empty. You are not like this person in the parable. Our houses are put in order, but they are not empty. The Spirit of Christ has taken up residence in us permanently and forever. And therefore, unclean spirits are unwelcome here, they cannot return. They have to go elsewhere, back to the desert. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, and thus the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, puts up a no trespassing sign in our yards for unclean spirits or for whatever else. And so, friends, we are not empty. That is the good news. We are not empty. We are filled with the Spirit, and we are called by God's grace to be even more filled with the Spirit, to fill our houses even more with the Spirit to the praise of His of his glory. And thus, the last state for us as believers is much better than the first. And that is certainly good news uh, for us. It was not so with unbelieving Israel in Jesus' day. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore.